Rewind of the Living Dead. I'm Damon Martin. And I'm Patrick Guerra. And Patrick, this week we're going to have a, a little bit of fun. We're going to review a couple of movies. We're going to talk about some news and notes and things going on in horror, some awards, and uh, kind of a hybrid episode. Rather than just one movie, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Uh, we're going to actually do a partial review. When I say partial, I mean we're not going to spend an entire hour talking about one movie, but we are going to review the new movie, The Sadness, which just dropped on Shudder, our friends over Shudder. Hey, Shudder. Hello, Shudder. And we're going to talk about this one. It's a very controversial new film out of, I believe, Taiwan is where it's actually from. Uh, we're going to talk about that movie. We're also going to talk about the new movie Firestarter that dropped just a matter of days ago starring Zac Efron. It's the remake of the Stephen King book slash the original movie starring Drew Barrymore from the 80s. And of course, what we're going to do right now is talk about some news and notes from around the world of horror. We like to do these podcast for fun every now and again where we talk about the biggest news in the world of horror uh but there's a lot over this last week so we figured we'd just kind of do a hybrid episode and uh with that being said patrick i think we should kick things off right now with uh we actually dedicated an entire episode to this last year we didn't do it this year but we still want to talk about the fangoria awards just happened uh literally a day ago or two days ago at this point and uh that of course is the awards held over on shutter and it is fangoria magazine one of our uh, formative magazines of anybody who's ever been into horror is very, very well, uh, well aware of Fangoria magazine. And so they held their uh, latest chainsaw awards and handed out a bunch of bunch of statues with skulls and chainsaws splitting through them. Uh, did you see the awards and, and what did you think? I got to watch part of the awards. Uh, it's It's been a crazy, crazy weekend for me, but also all the shit was like coming out all at once. Like it really like bombarded us. And I was like, we got to do a mashup episode because there's no way we're going to get all these things done. Um, so I got to watch a little bit of the awards. Uh, I did read the full results and I was impressed because last year when we talked about the Chainsaw Awards, a lot of like the same movie kind of won everything. And this year it was really, really varied. I, I loved that because, and this, and this is all audience, uh, this is like audience choice. Everyone goes and votes. I voted, I know you voted. And the result was a lot of different movies won a lot of different things, which I think is awesome. And I'm so happy that the Chainsaw Awards keeps going. I hope Fangoria keeps it going. I hope, I hope they did gangbusters this year in terms of viewership uh, because it's really cool to, to have and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we might as well talk a little bit about uh, uh, some of the results, some of the bigger results here, like best wide release movie, Damon, went to one of your favorites, one of your top last year, Malignant. Yes, James Wan's uh, homage to 90s horror with Malignant. It was a big swing from uh, James Wan going away from the Conjuring universe. And we did a full review, of course, here on the show uh, last year. You can go find that episode in our archives uh, everywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Let me go and do that promo right now. Uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed Malignant. You know, I had issues with Malignant, but I also really enjoyed Malignant. And again, what I love most is that James Wan took a big swing. Did it hit a giant grand slam home run not necessarily but i didn't enjoy did i enjoy what he tried to do with that movie and and the kind of chances he took absolutely and and i was actually i'll be honest i was a little surprised that one because it was kind of a polarizing horror film if you go to the horror community out there twitter reddit clubhouse all the places we kind of hang out with horror fans it was a split movie like there's a lot of people who didn't like it there was a lot of people who loved it but uh i was actually pretty impressed at one it made sense to me that it won um, because there, you're right. There was there was some, uh, especially on Twitter. I think there was a lot of like 
people going back and forth about how they thought about the movie. But what was very clear, the people who loved it really, really, really loved it. And, uh, you know, did I love every minute of that movie? No, but I thought the last 30 minutes of that movie was some of the best movie movie going that I had seen that entire year. So well-deserved for James Wan and company for Malignant. Yeah. Now, best limited release movie was one of your favorites of 2021, <laughs> a movie called PG Psycho Gorman. Now, this movie actually won several awards at the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, and we did not review this on the show, and I'll be completely dead honest, I've not seen it. Uh, so I can't sit here and give you any kind of fantastic review on Psycho Gorman, but I know you had an opinion on Psycho Gorman. Uh, it was an award winner, and listen, we are, you know, we've talked about this. I think this year I mentioned on the show before, this is the first year in many, many years I didn't watch the Oscars until, of course, Will Smith changed all that for everybody. Uh, but I, I just, I was not into the Oscars this year. I just didn't really care about most of the movies outside of Dune. Uh, so I didn't really watch. And, uh, and so, you know, everything that wins is not always going to be my favorite. I, I understand that. But I know Psycho Gorman was not necessarily your favorite movie last year. Uh, you know, it, it takes all stripes, right? In the horror community, there's like a lot of different uh, genres that are appreciated. And and this is sort of more of the lo-fi genre. Now, I, actually, the visual effects in it are fun to look at. And it actually, I believe it actually won uh, Best Practical Effects, if I'm not mistaken. Don't, don't quote me on that. But it won some sort of an effects award, as well as Best Limited Release Movie. Um, it is fun to watch that because it feels almost like something you could do. And I can understand the appeal of that. There, there is some sort of like uh, homegrown appeal to a movie like Psycho Gorman. Did I like the rest of the movie? Not necessarily. But uh, hey, we're happy that there are winners. We're happy that people got out and voted and and uh, and made their voices heard. Because Damon, best first feature went to my absolute favorite movie, Saint Maud. And I could not have been happier for Rose Glass and company because I raved about Saint Maud all year as. From the moment I watched it until the very end of the year, I was like, St. Maude's the best movie of the year. St. Maude is definitely the best movie of the year. It won best first feature, and that was an audience pick. So the same people who love Psycho Gorman put their voice out there and said St. Saint Maude Saint was a great first feature for Rose Glass. And Damon, you know I couldn't agree more. No, I know you love that film. I really enjoyed it. It was not, you know, it was not my favorite of last year, but I did enjoy it. I had issues with it, but I did really enjoy it. And I think, again, I said this on the show at the time, you know, I'm really looking forward to what Rose Glass does next, which we now know is a film she's going to be doing with Krista, um, Kristen Stewart, uh, about a female bodybuilder, uh, which is not horror. At least it doesn't sound like horror, but, uh, I'm fascinated to find out what she does next. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I had issues with, with, with St. Maude, but again, much like Malignant, I love the chances that they took in that film. And, uh, you know, Mortifred Clark, I believe, was the actress's name who was the lead. She was phenomenal. I really, really enjoyed her performance. And, uh, you know, overall, the movie was great. And I think it's a great choice for best first feature because I have a feeling we're going to hear. I, 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 I get maybe I'm wrong. And listen, predictions are like that. But I feel like, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to be talking about Rose Glass being like a you know legit like Academy Award nominated type director. That's how much faith I have in her after that film. Oh, you know, I couldn't agree more. I can, I'll follow Rose Glass to the edge of the earth. I can't wait to see what she does next. Yeah. Now, best streaming premiere was another big one, and that actually kind of went to the opposite swing, which was my favorite movie 
of 2021, which was technically it was part three, Fear Street 1666, part three of the Fear Street trilogy won that award, which is the finale of the Fear Street trilogy. But as I cheated last year and picked Fear Street as my favorite horror film of 2021, I just picked all three because it would kind of be disingenuous to pick you know three of those amongst my top five. But Fear Street was my favorite of 2021, and Fear Street Part 3 took Best Streaming Premiere, and I was super excited about that. It was cool to see, uh, you know, uh, the director on the broadcast and and accepting the award. And uh, again, we talk about, you know, streamers are, it's a really, really big deal right now, streamers involved in television and movies. And Netflix has actually been a pretty big supporter of horror, uh, you know, for a long time. They've always had a pretty extensive horror section over on Netflix, and this was such a cool idea to do three movies released in one week after the other, the entire trilogy drops over a month, basically. And, uh, you know how much, I mean, I loved fear street. It felt like a throwback to the eighties. I loved everything about this series. Uh, I was so happy for this and I thought this was a well-deserved award for best streaming premiere. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I think this is, this was the right pick for everybody. Um, it was event television, which we don't get a lot of these days because of streaming. Actually, it's like the the idea that Netflix was like, we're going to release one each week. Like my wife and I just couldn't wait till Friday night. So the next Fear Street came out and they all three delivered. And it turns out uh, they, they chose uh, 1666 as their favorite, which was part three. That actually turned out to be my favorite. But truth is, I loved the whole trilogy. I think you know, that's another one where it's like, if we're going to do like a Fear Street, like world or a Fear Street universe or whatever through Netflix, like sign me up, you know, Net- Stranger Things is coming to an end. We don't really have like a franchise to like grab onto. Let's do Fear Street. Let's do the Fear Street world. Like just such a cool idea. So well executed. Um, yeah, I, I just I want to see more of it. Yeah. And speaking of Fear Street, that uh, they also took home the award for best kill. At the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards for The Bread Slicer in Fear Street Part 1, which was the 1994. Uh, Yeah, yeah, Part 1, 1994, which we raved about that. That was definitely our favorite kill from that movie. Such a creative kill and and really a surprising death, to be honest, in that movie. We were both kind of shocked at how that played out. It looked like it was going to play out like a a really typical teen slasher where there's a lot of survivors. And then (laughs) they changed that one real quick uh, at the end of that movie. Uh, uh, and it was great. And that was, that had to be, I mean, listen, I'm not sitting here like dissecting every single great kill we, we talked about from 2021, but that, I mean, I think that would have to be at the top of my list as well. I was up there, man. That's, that's a great one. A shocker of a death and then a really genuinely awesome kill. Any other awards you want to mention before we move on? I mean, there was a lot. I know best director went to Edgar Wright uh, for last night in Soho. Which is cool because he directed a hell of a movie. Achievement in nonfiction went to the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs. And of course, Darcy, the male girl watched, actually just watched uh, their show a couple nights ago on shutter. I really enjoyed that. You know, I've always been a fan of Joe Bob Briggs. I go back to monster vision, of course, his old show. Uh, but I really like this new show. And I tell you what, I, I feel, I feel like I'm a researcher of movies uh, this guy, Joe Bob Briggs, blows me out of the freaking water with the research and the stuff he knows about horror films. I love watching it. It's kind of like a deep dive into like the deep dive of horror films. So yeah. uh, that was really cool. I really enjoyed that. Uh, we saw, of course, John Carpenter, the great John Carpenter and his son, uh, and they won for Halloween Kills for best score, which I think I mentioned on the show before what we had a lot of issues with Halloween Kills, but I actually said I think the Halloween Kills score was better 
than the 2018 Halloween score, which they're both John Carpenter, but I just think yeah. like I actually like the Halloween Kill score a little bit better. Uh, best screenplay went to uh, Ben uh, Ben Collins and Luke Petrosky for The Night House, a movie you and I very much raved about just recently here on the show. Uh, any well other deserved. awards you want to mention? Best International went to Titan, and Titan was one of those movies, man, that I don't even know if it classifies as a horror movie. Uh, it, it certainly has its moments where you are going to squirm, um, but, uh, it's one of those movies last year that like just got outside of my top five overall movies. Like it was one of those movies that kind of haunted me. Like I went and saw it and I thought it was pretty good. And then I just couldn't stop thinking about it when I got home. Like it's, it's one of those movies. that's just really, really dynamic. Um, same director who did raw, right? Raw. I think yes. mm-hmm. yep. And that's another cool, that's, that's certainly more of a traditional horror movie. Uh, but I was just happy to see that get recognized and see that the fans out there of Fangoria uh, voted that in because it was it was a well-deserved movie. One of your favorites from last year, best series, Midnight Mass. How you feel about that win? I was very happy about that. And you know what? There were actually a couple good series. I was actually really uh, impressed by that category as a whole. But yeah, Midnight Mass, Mike Flanagan. I'm a big, big Mike Flanagan fan. I really, really enjoyed that series. Uh, I've been a big fan of the Haunting series, Haunting of Hill House and the Haunting of Bly Manor, but I think Midnight Mass was my favorite of the three so far. And, of course, he has the Midnight Club coming up, which, of course, has legendary scream queen Heather Langenkamp starring amongst the cast. He's also doing The Fall of the House of Usher uh, from Edgar Allan Poe. He's currently adapting that for another Netflix series. So I'm always looking forward to what Mike, Fl- Mike Flanagan does. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed uh, Midnight Mass. Hamish Linkletter was incredible in that in that role. Uh, Kate Siegel, of course, was Mike Flanagan's wife. She was great. The whole show was just fantastic. And so, uh, you know, we've I think we've talked about on the show before the difficulty of doing good horror television. You know, it's not a genre that's ever really excelled if we're if we're being honest you know horror's kind of been built for movies not necessarily for television unless you really try to stretch it and say like dexter was horror which you know i don't really consider dexter yeah, horror really. um you know most shows that have been horror have a hard time finding an audience unless you're american horror story and even american horror story which the last couple of seasons have been god awful but uh it's an anthology so it's a new show every year so like i'm talking about like an ongoing series it's hard to do this now granted midnight mass is one season and done and so is haunting of hill house and haunting of Bly manor for that matter but again even those are tough to do to do it consistently so uh, i was happy about that overall you know again some i agree with some i didn't agree with but i, I really couldn't be too disappointed with the choices they made and again this is a fan vote which i appreciate because there were some pretty obscure choices for the fan vote yeah no it's cool i can't wait and if uh if you haven't seen uh the chainsaw awards we didn't spoil anything for you because they actually uh they put on a show uh, you know it's a fun little thing for serious horror fans um you should check it out it's streaming it, the replay is now streaming on shutter so feel free to go over there and check out the full breadth of the award show because they wanted to make something cool for horror fans i mean you, ha- you can't hate that yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, moving on from the Fangoria Chainsaw Wars, of course, we had a lot of news in the horror world over the last week or so. And one of the biggest news stories that broke, of course, this summer, we were going to see Scream 6 go into production with the same team from Radio Silence returning. They were also the team behind Scream 5 or Scream 2022 with just Scream. It was no title. We are calling it Scream 5 because oh, why not? Five. 
Now Scream 6 is coming. They release a very, very slight detail about the plot, which is the survivors from the last Scream movie have left Woodsboro to continue their lives. Sounds very much like Scream 2, where, of course, the uh, the cast members being Sidney Prescott and Randy, they end up going to college in my home state of Ohio, where Scream 2 takes place. Uh, this film, we don't know any other details other than that, but we do know a lot of the cast members are coming back. Melissa Barrera, of course, who played the lead character, Sam Carpenter. Uh, Jenna Ortega is coming back. Uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown and Mason Gooding, who played the twins and played the siblings, uh, Randy Meeks' ne- niece and nephew. So they're all coming back, those four. But the biggest announcement which is a surprise to some maybe not to others is that hayden panettiere who starred as uh who starred as kirby in scream 4 back in uh, 2011 if i'm correct uh she's coming back now there was a small teaser if you really watch closely in scream 5 when uh jack quaid's character is watching youtube videos of stab when he's trying to educate himself on stab in his hotel room he's watching youtube videos which is actually where matthew lillard makes his cameo appearance as the killer from stab eight with a flamethrower that's actually matthew lillard wearing the uh the metallic scream mask the ghost face mask but there's another video down in the corner which it says scream uh you know ghost face survivor speaks out and it's a picture of hayden panettiere meaning that kirby survived her stabbing in scream four and is now coming back for an appearance in scream six so kind of a cool homage a character that didn't die and hasn't really been mentioned since then but she's coming back for scream six smart move on the on the part of the producers of the scream series because it's very clear to me over the last six months talking with a bunch of diehard scream fans yourself included um the love for the series is so big you if you have a character who survived or or a character that you can fudge that they survived bring them back and the fans will come flocking in droves because scream what what's genius about scream is that you are totally invested in the characters so it's cool to see somebody come back from scream 4 which is a movie i actually kind of liked it's, i I'm, i don't claim to be a big scream uh expert or aficionado but scream 4 was one of the movies i watched uh this last year in preparation for scream 5 and uh, i thought it was pretty good yeah, I, I, I watched, I, of course, I saw Scream 4 in the theaters when it came out, and I'm sure I saw it again, like, after it first came out on DVD or whatever, but I hadn't watched it in years, and so last year, as the new movie was coming out, I guess it'd be two years now, because the movie came out in, you know, January, so a year ago, give or take, I watched, uh, I watched Scream 4 for the first time in a long time, and I sat down and watched it a couple of times. And I'm a big fan of Emma Roberts. Uh, I like her very much, but I almost kind of forgot she was in that movie. Allison Brie is also in that movie. I love yeah. Allison Brie. We gave her rave reviews for The Rental, another movie she did recently with her husband, Dave Franco. Um, but I went back and watched Scream 4, and I was like, you know what? This is, like, way better than... Not that I didn't remember it being good, but I just remember it kind of got crapped on a little bit. Like, it was almost like people just didn't get enthusiastic about it, and the numbers weren't great at the box office, and it just kind of came and went. You know, it just kind of came and went. And I rewatched it. I was like, this is actually a pretty good movie. And the ending, I really, really liked the ending. I love the killer reveals. Um, and so, yeah, I, again, I know Scream 3 is definitely the one of the franchise most people don't like best. I actually watched that again the other night. And I was like, you know what? This isn't nearly as bad as people make it out to be. It's not the best. I'm not going to lie and say it's the best of the franchise. But I, I think Scream has been so like stinking consistent i I love that like there's not you can't point to any one film and say this is just a really bad movie like they've all been pretty good you can say they're not great but you can't sit there and watch any of those and say they're just terrible because they're not 
And so bringing back Hayden Panettiere, who I've been a big fan of ever since she was in the show Heroes. If you remember the old NBC series uh, Heroes, a show that started great and then fell completely apart. Uh, she was great in that show. Uh, she was instrumental in the uh, in the phrase everyone remembers from that show, save the cheerleader, save the world. Uh, that was Claire That's Bennett. Right. I still remember her name, Claire Bennett. I remember her character's name. Um, but yeah, Hayden Panettiere coming back for Scream 6, and production gets underway for that, and it opens March 31st, 2023. So we're basically less than a year away from Scream opening again. You know we'll be reviewing that on this show. Absolutely. Uh, another bit of news that came out this week, uh, everyone is doing their television upfronts. And if you don't know what television upfronts are, it's basically when the major networks go before the Television Critics Association and they kind of, you know, they basically, you know, they, they basically show how big their dick is, is more or less the best way to say this. <laughs> they go out and they show shows they're going to renew, shows they're picking up. Uh, they show trailers and they just kind of like get everyone excited about the television season to come, which in television world typically starts in the fall with September is when the biggest shows come out and they kind of, you know, they kind of show everyone their hand and they kind of see what they got out there. So one of the pieces of news that dropped this week was the first teaser for the new movie Prey is coming to Hulu. Uh, the first teaser is out. There's only about 45 seconds long and Prey is serving as a prequel to the Predator. It takes, th- takes place 300 years before the original Predator, of course, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, that entire cast. This one is taking place 300 years ago, involves a Native American played by Amber Midthunder, who a lot of people, I believe she's she's in a CW show right now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Legacies, or I care what show she's in, but I know she's a great I actress. I Legion. Legion, maybe that's what it is. I can't remember. Legion what. was Legion was the FX show that. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens. Yeah. Yeah. Great show. Yeah, very good show. Very strong show. But Prey is dropping Predator. Um, we've not reviewed any Predator movies on this show, Patrick. Um, I'll be honest. I'm not a massive Predator guy. I like Predator. I like Predator Two. Um, outside of the biggest plot hole in that movie being we already know it's the predator and they try to play it. Like we don't know it's the predator, which I think is a really dumb plot device in that movie. Um, but beyond that, I've not been a real big fan. I saw predator. I saw predators or whatever it was called in the theater when that came out. And then they had another sequel fairly recently that was awful. Uh, alien versus predator were not great movies. So I'm not, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm not a big predator guy. Yeah, you know, I love the first two. I genuinely really do love the first two. I thought Predators, I think it was with Adrian Brody, I thought was okay. I was like, oh, this is decent. Uh, yeah, the newest one that Shane Black did, I could not I could not get into it. I, I tried my damnedest. I could not get into it. Uh, great turn by Olivia Munn. If, you, if you're an Olivia Munn fan, she's actually really good in that movie. She's, she kind of shines above everybody else. Aside from that, Predator movies have been largely missed. And so when I saw that Amber Midthunder was going to be in this, and she's really good. I liked her again, love her in Legion. I love the premise of Prey. But the big thing, Damon, you mentioned the upfronts. The reason you, you know, people are listening going, television upfronts, new movie, what do you mean? Prey is going straight to Hulu. Yes. And that is a bit of a red flag. Uh, we had that, ma- that same discussion with the, the new Texas Chainsaw movie. It was supposed to go to theaters, and then out of nowhere, Netflix announced that they bought it up and they were putting it out. Now, the new Texas Chainsaw, okay, you know, it's it, it it certainly played like a good horror movie, but it wasn't the strongest movie. So I'm wondering if, when all was said and done, 20th Century looked at what they had and said, yeah, this ain't going to make dime one at the theaters, so we'll go ahead and slap it on Hulu. It's weird because... 
streaming for movies has changed so dramatically in the last few years. And let me explain what I mean by that. When you're getting a new movie with a new concept and you're dropping it on streaming services right away, I think it's okay in those situations. What I mean by that is like when you talk about the Fear Street trilogy, that did not really have a built-in audience. Yes, of course, you could talk about the R.L. Stein novels, but that's not that's not the audience that was going to see those movies. That was a great way to build an audience for Netflix. And it turned out great. All the movies were awesome. Word of mouth was great. Releasing them week after week was tremendous. It was all a great plan. My favorite film thus far in 2022, and I'm not talking about favorite horror film, favorite film thus far of this year is Fresh, which is a Hulu original that starred Sebastian Stan and Daisy Edgar Jones. Uh, I freaking love that movie. Go back and listen to me fillet that movie left, right, and center when we did the review on that a couple months ago. That was straight to Hulu. And again, nothing wrong with that. The problem and what you're mentioning without saying it, Patrick, is when you've got a a well-documented theater-going franchise, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Predator, you know, Aliens, any of these movies like this, when you're doing a sequel and it's going straight to streaming, yes. I'm sorry to say I got to believe it's a red flag because – you just build it. There is a there is an audience for the Predator movies. There is. I mean, there's yes. an audience. Like, so the fact that you're not even going to take a chance on putting it in theaters and you're taking it straight to stream. Now, you can argue, well, they want to build up streaming and they want to build up. Okay, I get what you're saying. I understand that concept and that's what you're going to try to sell me. But come on, Patrick. I mean, that's like, again, when you're saying Texas Chainsaw Massacre, one of the biggest horror franchises in history, even though the movies have not been great. <laughs> You're not going to take a stab on that in theaters. Same thing yeah. here with Prey. Predator has been a pretty big movie for box offices. To just abandon that and go straight to streaming, it does worry me. It does. Uh, here's hoping I'm dead wrong. I, obviously, when it comes out, we're going to review it. I think it comes out later this year, right? I think August. Yeah, August. Yeah. Okay. So, it'll, I mean, we'll we'll probably talk about it on the show and see how it goes. Hopefully, I'm completely wrong. And this just happened to be a case of like, hey, let's let's put another great movie on Hulu because you're right. Fresh was great. Um, so the, there is still hope. But uh, yeah, cautiously optimistic on that. I wonder, I wonder if they haven't, like, I wonder, has anyone approached Arnold Schwarzenegger about doing another Predator film? Like, I know he's older now. Oh, I'm sure. But I love Arnie. I'm a big fan of Arnie. I mean, I know he's, you know, he's, he's older. But look at, like, Sylvester Stallone still doing Expendable movies and stuff. Like, I'm yeah. not saying, but, like, couldn't you, like, couldn't they realistically write a really kick-ass sequel to Predator and bring back Arnold Schwarzenegger as, like, a retired general or whatever it is now, and then there another Predator lands on Earth, and he's got to, like, assemble a team to go fight a Predator or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, come on. Has, I just wonder, has anyone approached Arnold to, like, come back and be like, Arnold, get to the chopper one more time? <laughs> I know they have. I bet the script just hasn't been something that want, makes him want to get out of bed. Um, you know, the, and listen, we've seen almost all the sequels to Predator have not been something that would have been worthy of, like, blockbuster-level Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, to He's be not- fair... To be fair, he's come back for a lot of bad Terminator sequels too. So That's I'm my just point, saying. But you know? I think there was something about Terminator. You know, he's big buddies with James Cam- James Cameron, so there might be something more to that. Um, whereas Predator, you know, not as much. Uh, but you know, I I can see just off the top of my head, I can see a very easy premise to bring him back into the franchise. Um, and who's to, who's to say there isn't a great teaser at the end of Prey? Maybe there is. Maybe they maybe they they knew we were looking for that, and that's that's they're going to do that. Something tells me they won't, but the opportunity's there. Stick around, Patrick. I'm going to get back to the chopper. 
<laughs> Pushing too many pencils, then. <laughs> <laughs> so, Patrick, we have two films we want to talk about before we get out of here. And people are probably wondering why we're not devoting an entire episode to either one of these movies. For one, uh, one movie we're going to talk about is pretty bad. And I feel like we talk about that one first. Yeah, I feel like an hour spent on a higher note. Yeah, I feel like that spending an hour on that film would be uh, just cruel. Not to not just to you, the audience, but also to us. I mean, come on, do you really want us to spend it? So we're going to talk about Firestarter, which is the new film currently available on Peacock. Uh, It stars Zac Efron, everyone's favorite horror uh, star. Uh, Zach Efron. Yeah, horror staple Zach Efron. Uh, and of course, it is an adaptation of the classic Stephen King novel uh, that they remade earlier in the 80s with Drew Barrymore starring. Um, our plan was originally to do a full hour on this. And then you and I watched it and we changed our minds pretty quickly. Yeah, you know, and listen, at the end of the day, I, I stand by this. I'm a defender of filmmakers, right? And if I'm the filmmakers for Firestarter, I get it. You want you want to take a crack at a serious um, Stephen King property. I understand that. And and if it fell into my lap, boy, I'd, I'd have to do some real hard thinking because I, I would want to do it. My my interest was piqued because I grew up on the original Firestarter movie with Drew Barrymore. I, I probably watched that movie, I don't know, 25 times in my childhood. You know what I mean? I watched that movie a lot. So I was very interested to see what they did with the remake. Um, I was pretty... Uh, disappointed because i think to me damon is just it was a very non-committal movie is the best way i can put it and i feel like by the time i was done with the movie i realized that the movie that is interesting is where the movie ends where the movie ends and i'm not spoiling anything here you can go see it on peacock it's going to be out of theaters it, it was also had a release in theaters and that didn't go well um at the end of that movie i go now that's the movie i'd be interested in seeing but this whole the whole run up of the the whole 90 minutes prior to that ending was nothing to write home about and i literally for the first time ever did not have a note on my notepad while i was while i was watching the movie normally i take vigorous notes before we do a podcast and i was like damon i have nothing i have nothing to say there's no notes here it it, it just was a very non-committal movie I'll say this. I, I defend Firestarter slightly. And when I say defend, I use that word very loosely. Um, I didn't think it was as terrible as some people made it out to be because I read some reviews and they were just like relentlessly cruel to this movie. And I didn't think it was that bad, but it's not good. And I think really what hurts the two things hurt this film. One, it has a decent, strong beginning. Decent. Decent. Setup is okay. About. 30 minutes in the movie it just falls completely apart it's like a it's like a jenga just they pulled out the wrong bar and it all came crumbling down the second half of the movie is nearly unwatchable that's how bad it gets two the other issue is and again i'm not a purist okay when it comes to uh, diverging from source material okay like i am a massive marvel movie fan but i don't you know i don't have a problem that they diverge away from the source material when they make marvel movies batman movies whatever and i'm not a purist when it comes to i love stephen king i read a lot of stephen king books but i'm not a purist saying you need to make a straight adaptation trust me there's a really weird really weird sex scene in it if you've never read it there's a really freaking weird and they took that out of the movie the 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 mini series and of course the movies thank god because it's a really weird bizarre just twisted moment that we don't need to see 
dedicated on film. So I'm not opposed to diverging from the source material, but the way they did it in this movie, they went away with so much from the characters, from the father, uh, played by Zac Efron, to Rainbird, who was the guy who was kind of sent to stalk and hunt down Charlie, the girl who has the ability. She's a pyrotechnic or whatever you want to call pyrokinesis is her power. She can start, yeah, Um, she can start fires. Uh, Just so many weird diversions from the source material that didn't make any sense whatsoever. And then the ending, again, I'm not spoiling, no spoilers here, but the ending, like when it ended, I was like, that's it. That's the ending. Yeah, like you, 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 you went through this movie and did reviews and did like audience reactions. And that's the ending you decided on. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it just, I don't know. It, it didn't excite uh, in any way, shape or form. And I don't, and, it, and it's weird to say this. I don't think it was trying to excite. Like it was almost like they pulled back at every opportunity they could to again, like I use the word non-committal, like they never committed to their premise. Um, they just sort of backed off it. Anytime it got close, they would back off it. Um, and it was weird because I was watching it and I'm just, and I'm just afterwards, I was just sort of lying there in a, in a stasis. Um, and the, and the old movie, the original movie actually just auto started auto playing on Peacock and I watched it. That thing moves at a clip. That thing really like gets going i'm not saying it's a perfect movie but the difference between the movies was so clear it was like one movie wants you to see everything that's going on and and feel it as quickly as you can and get into the chaos of it all and the other movie just sort of uh, wants to keep eluding you until the very very end and i don't i don't think that's i don't think that's successful ultimately one thing I will give a shout out to this movie and they will get my money on this is that uh the soundtrack was done by John Carpenter and his son, Cody Carpenter, and it is phenomenal. I loved it. I actually already downloaded it, and I'm going to buy the vinyl when it comes out because the soundtrack is incredible. Um, there were scenes in this movie where I completely stopped caring about the actual story and the actual action and just paid attention to the to the score. Um, John Carpenter is an incredible composer. I love everything he's done. I bought all of his solo records and, of course, all of his different soundtracks that he's done over the years. But this was, to me, one of his best. Like, it's almost like now that he's just been able to put time into his soundtracks, like he's not a creative force on the on the new Halloween movies. So Halloween and Halloween Kills were both really, really good soundtracks. This one's incredible. I really enjoyed the sound, the, the score to Firestarter. Like, I loved it. It was by far the best part of the movie. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. I mean, he's really, it's he's just evolved from a great director into a great composer and now I'm sort of like, how do I get how do I get uh, John Carpenter to score my shit? Yeah, really good, really strong. Uh, vinyl will be out later this year. You can pick up the soundtrack wherever you buy digital music right now. So I would highly recommend, even if you don't like it or even don't go see Firestarter, check out the score. It's incredible. It's great music. If you like John Carpenter, highly recommend it. Last thing we're going to talk about before we get out of here, Patrick, is our second review. And this is a movie that is stirring a lot of controversy in the horror community. We talked about Malignant. I think this one might be even more polarizing, and that's a new film called The Sadness, which just dropped on Shudder a couple of days ago. I believe it debuted at uh, one of the film festivals earlier this year, and so there was a lot of buzz coming out about The Sadness dropping, and The Sadness is essentially... Oh, it's it's a zombie. It's it's a zombie movie of, of sorts. It's not really, but it, it's kind of basically there is a pandemic that's happening and a mutation of a pandemic of a, of a of a disease, and it turns people into craven monsters. They are they are twisted, and whatever morality code you once had falls away, and they do the sickest, most depraved things you can imagine. 
And so kind of take like the zombies from 28 days later where they're not really zombies, but they're just, you know, rabid, crazy people and amplify it by like 10,000 steroids. Like this is a whole other level of messed up. You know um, what I compared it to? What's that? I said, it's like the movie Mayhem with Steven Yun, but just not funny. Yeah, yeah, very much, very much like that. Um, and be, so let me let, before we get into what we're gonna give a full review, no spoilers. But um, first off, let me tell people because one thing you're gonna hear a lot of people say about this movie is like whether you like it or not, and then the the kind of caught the uh, the the asterisk so to speak of this movie, which is this: I like the sadness. I really did yeah. like it. It was a really creative, original movie it's one that i would watch again and i would recommend to people to watch that being said massive massive trigger warning two reasons one the gore is on another planet i mean it is gore gore i mean some of the most intense gore i've ever seen and i've seen everything okay this makes this makes cannibal holocaust like kind of pause and and close its eyes (laughs) two there's a lot of really difficult, like, um, sexually motivated moments in this movie. I don't know a better yeah. way to say it without spoilers. Uh, if you're triggered by that, any of those kind of things, run far away from this movie because you will not be able to sit through it. Um, that being said, I don't know what it says about me, but I really enjoyed it. Well, I think, and I, I, I echo your sentiment completely uh, on all fronts. I think why it's a movie that's enjoyable is I think it's actually it well-intentioned, if that makes any sense. Um, it's extreme horror, right? And that, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of extreme horror out there, but most of it's out there just to shock. And I've seen it, and it's not even an enjoyable watch. Um, and I'm not talking about a movie like uh, Martyrs, which we've talked about multiple times on the show, which is like great movie. I'll never watch it again. It's not like that because that's a well, well-made f- movie. There's a lot of mo- extreme movies out there that are made to punish you. They're literally just there to show you the worst possible things. They're not particularly well-crafted. There's not a great message behind any of it. This movie has a strong message. I don't know if the message is great. The, me- the message is kind of depressing, which is like the pandemic has has turned people into monsters, basically. And it's it's not talking figuratively, it's talking literally. It's saying, you know, it's the pandemic has brought out the worst in us. And that's sort of what I think this movie examines. Um, but it's done really well. And like this, the, the messaging of the movie is, I think, stronger than anything else. I wouldn't call it the greatest character development out there, which to me is like, requisite number one for most zombie movies that's actually not part of this movie like i would argue you barely get to know these characters you don't know why you even care about them but what's happening around them is so relevant so timely it's no wonder that as crazy and extreme as this movie is even the people that complain about certain scenes that they've seen still echo the idea that yeah this is actually a pretty good movie so watch with caution but uh yeah the sadness uh pretty decent film I will also say this, you know, you know, I'm a story guy. I always harp on this constantly, you know, in terms of story. I actually thought the story was pretty good beyond the, 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 um, the underlying message of like people turning to their worst selves in a, in a panic like this, you know, and, and that's, 
Um, you've seen this in a lot of movies and stories throughout history. You know, they say, you know, a person can handle bad news. People panic. Like that's kind of right. the thing. Like one person you can tell bad news to, they can handle it, but you tell a whole group of people and they freak the fuck out. Like there's no better way to say it. Um, that's kind of what this movie is. Like again, on adrenaline, like everyone panics, freaks out and the world goes haywire. What I do like about the story, the story is very simple. It's, it's a girlfriend and boyfriend who are, you know, living in an apartment together and she goes off to work and he, you know, goes to a cafe to get a coffee. And when the zombie, when the, when the, you know, this giant outbreak happens and everyone loses their minds and this, all this crazy stuff starts happening, they're separated and he's trying to get back to her. They're trying to get reconnected. It's not the most difficult story to follow, but in reality, it's a pretty compelling story because you want to see these people being reunited. That's all it is. You don't know. You're right. There's not a lot of char- character development and none of that, but the story is so simplistic. It works. You know what I mean? The one, the girls separated from her boyfriend, they're trying to find their way back to each other. It's a tale as old as time, Patrick, but it works. Mm-hmm. And when you set that in the middle of a zombie apocalypse or a, I don't know what you call again, not quite zombies, but just lunatic driven and people acting on their worst instincts possible. And when I say acting on their worst instincts possible, holy crap, that doesn't do justice. Yeah. No, it's like, what what is shown is disturbing what is implied is disturbing what is what is said that has been witnessed is disturbing this is one of those rare movies where the violence speaks all the volumes the violence is telling the story more than anything else and you just you you come away feeling very heavy because you're like yeah the filmmakers intended to show just um just the, just how dark we as humanity can get um, because yes, you don't, you don't hear about the things that or, or the things that are happening in the sadness don't necessarily happen day to day here in, uh, in our regular world, but you get this very sick feeling that, yeah, if all hell breaks loose, this is, would not be far off the target. Yeah, not at all. You know, have you seen those shirts or those like uh, sayings online, little memes or whatever to say, uh, I'll wear black until they make something darker, you know, that kind of goth saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The sadness is disturbing, but I can't think of a better word. Like there needs to be a, a better word for describing how disturbing this movie is. Like disturbing doesn't even go like that's um, that's that's tame compared yeah. to what this movie actually is. Like this is this is just unbelievable violence and unbelievable actions being carried out in this movie. And and again, as I'm saying it, it's a good movie. When it was over, I was like, wow, that was really impressive. It was a strong movie. And it had a message and it wasn't, I mean, again, it's the kind of message that like, it's not hard to figure out what the message is in this movie. And it's not um, because, I mean, it's because of the violence, but you also understand people acting out their worst possible instincts. And as you said, in a situation like this, where the world is falling apart and mayhem rules, don't be shocked that this kind of stuff wouldn't happen or probably has happened at some point in history. We just don't hear about it. Um, but it's a good movie. And that's, I, again, that's probably the, the hardest part to say about this is because it is extremely gory. It is extremely hard to watch at moments. It is, there were moments where I was like pausing the movie, like, what did I just see? Like, I, I sent, <laughs> I sent Patrick a text. I watched it before he did. I watched it. So I sent Patrick a text last night and I said, the sadness is 18 levels of fucked up. That was my description to him. It is. But at the end of the day, the reality is it's still a really good movie. But my larger point is, is just be aware of what you're going into. I I heard all the rumors. I heard it was hardest, hardest of hardcore, hardest of hardcore. Um, That doesn't even prepare you. So I'm just warning you ahead of time. If you're 
turned off by blood or extreme violence. And I mean the most graphic violence possible. And I'm talking all levels of it. So again, be aware. You don't want to watch this movie. But if you can handle it, it is, in my opinion, a really strong film. I couldn't agree more. Uh, (laughs) While I was watching it, one of my notes was, what the hell's in the water in Taiwan? (laughs) For them to come up with a movie like this. It is a Taiwanese movie. It is an international film. There are subtitles. Uh, You don't even necessarily need them some of the time. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. The sadness... Yeah, it makes me. I think. I think the title is apropos because afterwards you're you're sad for humanity. Yeah, but it's again. That's the hard. Like I've seen yeah, movies like good. this. I've seen movies like not like this. This is very much an, a unique movie. But I've seen movies similar to this where they just up the like we talk about torture porn. We talk about like the you know those kind of movies where they're just doing things to get under your skin. Yeah. And I, I walk out of the theater. I'm like, yeah, it didn't really do much for me. There wasn't. Uh, it was literally just to make my skin crawl by you know peeling off someone's fingernails or whatever. You know, you weren't really doing anything with the story. You're just trying to disturb me with the actions of happening. What's happened? So this movie's not that. That's the hard part about this. For all the really twisted insane things happening it's actually a, a well done story good acting well done direction uh it's just extreme in every sense of the word like i said there's no better way to say it it's disturbing and if you can't handle it and i mean this is like somewhere there's somewhere in the world right now where uh uh, why am I not thinking the guy made hostile, uh, uh, Eli, Roth. Eli Roth, Eli Roth is watching this movie and saying, what in the fuck did I just watch? Like this is the guy made hostile. And he's like, man, this guy's twisted. Off. Uh, that's how twisted this movie is. The guy who made hostile would probably turn this off and say, Oh my God, I can't believe someone actually made this. Um, so yeah, be aware. But in terms of filmmaking, in terms of story driven characters, uh, acting, Great film. I really good, yeah. really good film. Yeah, this I would say this is like watching Martyrs if Martyrs was happening to four million people in the streets of Taipei. Yeah. And <laughs> like, weirdly enough, I've said this before. I like Martyrs. I'll never watch Martyrs again. I would watch the sadness again. Like it wasn't that kind of a movie. I I would watch it again. It's not that like this out here's here's all I'll tell you. If you're really like if you find someone who's into like hardcore like gore and really doesn't get bothered by extreme scenes of violence. This is the kind of film I want to sit down with someone else and be like, you need to watch the sadness. And I just want to watch their reactions, watching the sadness. Yeah. I'll never watch martyrs again because it was just too much. It was just too much. Great movie. Really well done. Never watch it again. This one I would watch again. Yeah. I might revisit it at some point. I don't know when, (laughs) I don't know why call the police. If I do. Yeah, this is not the kind of movie you're going to sit down with your kids on a Friday night and hang out. Trust no, me. <laughs> no, I think we'll be skipping this. I, I don't know if the boys are ready for this yet. Unless unless, unless you want your children to be disturbed and like really, really psychotic for years to come. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Yeah, but don't do that. Don't do that. All right, folks, we're going to get out of here. Of course, we want to say a big thank you to everyone that tunes into the show each and every week. I also want to be, uh, give a big shout out to our sponsors and the people who help present this show. It's our friends over at Night Channels. Uh, check out nightchannels.com for the best in horror music uh pretty much any kind of of random pop culture fun crazy awesome t-shirts check out nightchannels.com and if you go there right now and you check out enter the code rewind to check out you get 13 percent off your order over there they got 
Awesome. They got a blue velvet shirt that I've been watching for a while, Patrick. And I love blue velvet. I love blue velvet. I love my night channel shirts. I got a Texas chainsaw one. I got the uh, begotten one. These are cool ass shirts. And the the designs are original designs. These are not designs you can get at any other t-shirt. place. And I love blue velvet. So that's a really cool blue velvet. If you are a fan of Dennis Hopper, you need to go check out this blue velvet shirt. 13% off a checkout. Rewind is the code. Check out nightchannels.com and also check out night channels over on Instagram. Uh, as always, big thank you to everyone that tunes in each and every week of the show. Make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcast, uh, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and you can also find us over on my website, nerdcoremovement.com. If you got questions, comments, movies you'd like us to review, or uh, comments on movies we have reviewed, please feel free to hit us up on email. You can send us an email anytime rot living dead at gmail.com that's r-o-t living dead at gmail.com and you can also hit us up on twitter anytime my handle is at damon martin and you are at director patrick and we will see you guys next week for another edition of rewind of the living dead thanks for tuning in we'll see you then peace